the YBF podcast. It's your girl Natasha. We're back with another special guest. And I am super excited because I've known this fabulous woman for a little while now. And she's just, I mean, she's just all around amazing. And I always respect writers because I, I just don't think I can do what they do. Yes, I'm a writer on day to day, but hunty, when you write in books, it's a whole different story. <laughs> so we are going to talk to someone that has written a whole entire book with, with, a, with a companion <laughs> as well. Um, and about somebody that we love, who is Auntie Maxine Waters. And I just am so excited to get into why she did what she did um, to, to shed the spotlight on an amazing woman in the United States Congress. So please welcome to the YBF podcast, senior culture writer for the Washington Post, as well as the author of the book is dropped this week, guys, um, of Reclaiming Her Time, The Power of Maxine Waters. It went on sale October 20th, and she wrote the book with R. Eric Thomas. Please welcome to the show, Helena Andrews Dyer. Hi, thank you for having me. Hello there. <laughs> You're so cute. <laughs> thank you. This is just for you. I was in sweatpants not 15 minutes ago. I mean, who said that? <laughs> says we can't wear sweatpants on the bottom who says right right <laughs> for everybody that that thinks that writers and journalists just are not cute and just <laughs> all times like helena is shutting that all the way up so thank whatever. you <laughs> when did we first meet i feel like it's it was like around the time when i kind of started the site is when we talked on like email or something the first time probably it was probably around my first book so the first book i wrote was called bitches the new black yes and that came out in 2010 but i started writing it in i think 2000 and the end of 2007 2008 so i was in dc and you were in dc at the time yep. mm -hmm. um and we have mutual friends and it was just you know the the hustle young yeah. black gifted Washington, everybody <laughs> knew each other. It was such a, it was such an amazing time. And I'm sure there's a whole, you know, new set of folks doing that. Now I'm old, married, yeah, yeah. Kid, all that stuff. But, you know, we were out, out, dream, 1223. If y'all are from the DC area, y'all already know what we're talking about. That was like, you you could not tell me I wasn't Beyonce in the Crazy in Love video every time yes. I was on the rooftop at Dream, okay? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And now she's, I mean, killing it. Like at the Washington, whew, at the Washington Post. I mean, like, I just have like really fabulous friends that I know and I love that. Um, what, by the way, what is it like right now? Because I know that you all are working from home and you were telling me before this started that you all are gonna be at home for the next year. There is so much news day in and day out. I don't care what beat you write on. If you write on pop culture, if you write on actual news, if you write on White House, even fashion, it's just nonstop these days. So like, Absolutely. how are you going to deal? with all of this absolutely it's i mean the great thing about the post is that we you know our our leadership our brass you know march what 9th um we're like hey guys <laughs> this is serious you all need to go home see you in a couple weeks right <laughs> we'll see you at the end of april maybe Ooh. if that's like the longest time it was funny i had just gotten back to work Ooh. um after maternity leave after i had my second daughter i got into the office that monday Tuesday afternoon, they're like, yeah, y'all got to get out of here. 
Um, so I have been home for a very long time because I was home for six months during my maternity leave and I actually wrote Reclaiming Her Time with Eric during my maternity leave. So, you know, you get back to work, immediately they're like, uh, this is serious. Right. Your health is our biggest concern. Go home. We'll figure it out. And we all thought, you know, like everyone else said, it would be temporary. We'd be back right. at work six, eight weeks tops. Um, and now we're going on what, month eight, nine? And uh-huh. we're just doing it. Like the news is coming from our perspective. And I think from our reader's perspective, the, the quality of our journalism, the quality of our reporting, everything has been top notch. Yeah. Um, sure. That's why y'all. Right, right. I mean, we're still working very hard, but at the same time, you know, I'm a person who has to deal with all the crazy, the mental health stresses of COVID. Obviously, you know, this huge reckoning our country is coming to when it comes to race and policing and black bodies. Um, So, you know, journalists are people. We're struggling with that too, but at the same time, you know, so often what the advice for COVID and during this time is like, you know, turn off the news or, you know, take a break. We can't take a break. We're covering the news on a regular basis. Even as you say, it's just, I'm part of the pop culture team. Even if it's just pop culture, you know, pop culture, pop culture reflects what's going on in the world. Yeah. Right. That's why it's so important what you do. Um, Seeing ourselves and the stories that we tell, this this is the stuff I cover, the stories we tell about ourselves, black and brown people. So um, it's been tough. Obviously, it's been really hard. Um, for a long time, our kids were home, um, which made it even more difficult. I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. It was insane. No. Uh, but we're we're doing it. We're making it through. Shockingly, my husband and I haven't killed each other. He's upstairs working in the office. I'm in the living room doing this. And we're just, you know, we're just doing it. But we've gotten, I think, as journalists, we realize that this is such an unprecedented time. And this is why you become a journalist. This is why you become a writer to be a part of history. And this is history. This is history in the making, you know, five years from now, you know, hopefully fingers crossed when this is all so far behind us, we can say we lived through that and we did it and we survived it. uh, And we helped tell the stories that define this moment. So keeping that in my mind and knowing that, you know, the work we do is really important and yeah, a glass of red wine, girl. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it's so funny, like, I'm so exhausted every night that I take out, I like my red wine shield, so I put it in the fridge, yes. right, and I forget, I fall asleep by the time it's time to take it out, like, this is how crazy life has been, so I haven't even had my wine in weeks, but um, you're right, that's all we can do, all you can do is whatever is self-care for you, and thankfully you have a partner to do this with, um, what does he do, by the way? He owns his own IT firm, so he oh, is in IT. Right, exactly. So right now he's got, you know, all of his clients working from home. That was a rush for him getting all of them where they needed to be. Um, but it's awesome because I also have in-house IT help. I can't figure my Zoom out, you know, and I can't figure out what I'm supposed to be doing. He's he's can hopefully help me when he can. Okay. But I always say you better marry somebody with a benefit to you. There you go. Yes. <laughs> yes. And you are doing it. I mean, you're literally a senior position at a hu- one of the largest news publications in our country, as well as a mom and a wife. And you have written a- an entire book. Like, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. I've been trying to write a book for probably 15 years. And when I say trying, I mean, even just wrapping my head around it. Write it. Write it, do it, do it. Like, do it. Still, I'm still just like, girl, mm-mm. But you're right, it has to happen. If you can do it, I have to I have to make this happen, but whatever. 
that's a different story for a different time. So let's talk about what Reclaiming Her Time is about. Why did you, um, I want to say, why did you choose Maxine Waters to do this about, but it's, I mean, it's Maxine Waters, like, duh. But really, <laughs> why, why her and why now? I think there were a couple of things, like just behind the scenes, our publishers. So I wrote the book along with our Eric Thomas, who is um, a columnist for Elle magazine. And our publishers, HarperCollins, Day Street Books, specifically under the HarperCollins umbrella, they had, our, they had also published the book Notorious RBG. Right. I was going to say Notorious B.I.G. Notorious RBG, right? Which is a very similar book, but about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, right? And that book did incredibly well. Just, you know, a celebration, biography, history lesson, and it did well. And just behind the scenes at Day Street, completely unbeknownst to, unbeknownst to Eric and I, they were having these conversations like, we want another book like that. We want it about Maxine Waters, right? And they knew because she was having one of her many moments, right? She's been in the public eye for over four decades. Um, and she's had moment after moment after moment, right? But one of her many moments, of course, was the famous reclaiming my time moment when she um, was in that conference with um, the Treasury Secretary. So they wanted that book and they had reached out to our agents to ask if we would be interested as a team. Um, one, because I was a journalist, I worked for the Washington Post, so I could do some of the reporting and research behind the book. And Eric, because Eric is um, just hilarious and he has such an amazing voice and he had written a lot of columns for Elle which I'm sure all your readers have read about the auntie Maxine meme you know you will never in your life come from Maxine Waters like those types of titles in Elle magazine so he was making this space at Elle for a woman like Maxine and it was just getting so much buzz and so the two of us just got together we had never even met before and got together and we're like you know what let's let's do this let's think about what the book would be about how we split it up who would write what you know what we i was very particularly interested in is well what we're both interested in is maxine the woman beyond the meme right this is a whole person um Decades. So yeah. Exactly. Yes. This is a whole like octogenarian. Yeah. Um, and that was also important for us because, you know, we are, we're losing our lions right now. You know, we lost John Lewis. We lost um, Congressman Cleaver. Like it's, it's uh, a point in time where these people's stories need to be told. People who were so instrumental to everything, all the rights, everything that we have, right? Opened every single door. Um, their stories really need to be told. So there was no hesitation immediately. We're like, yes, of course we want to do this. And Eric and I discussed how we would do it, what we wanted the book to be about, really a celebration of her and also just talking about who she was as a person. A lot of people don't know she grew up, you know, the fifth child out of 13 poor in St. Louis, you know, uh, with a single mom who was, who struggled obviously to take care of all those children. And yet she came out of that um, to be who she is today, right? She was married right out of high school at 18 to a GI. They moved to Los Angeles to, you know, like a lot of people were moving out of, out of Missouri to, to get better job opportunities in Los Angeles. And she was working for the phone company um, for years before she even went back to school, back to college to earn her degree to become the person on, on the road to becoming the person that we see today. But 
you know, she could have had a, a completely different path. She could have worked, she had said in interviews, you know, I could have worked at the phone, the phone company was a good job, right? I could have worked at the phone company until retirement my whole life. And that's who she would have been. And that would have been a great life. Um, so we just wanted to explore that and thought that that was like immensely important because she is an icon. She is a lion. And I want to make sure not just young black girls know this story, but young white girls know this story, know that this is a woman who is fighting every single day for you. Um, and especially with the passing of RBG, it's like, who else is, I don't want to say who else is fighting for us, but who else is fighting for us with the wisdom and experience yes. that um, somebody like RBG has um, and, and Maxine Waters have. I mean, there's, you know, Elizabeth Warren and, and, and Nancy Pelosi, of course, but it's like, dang, we only got like two or three. Like we need people that are, that have seen these things before and yes. can easily just come for people when they need to be come for and we can hop on we don't have to keep starting at square one as women you yes know absolutely it's, it's about institutional one. knowledge yeah. yeah yeah so this is that's why books like this are so important i've talked a lot about um legacy in our black community and it's something that i don't think we respect enough or that we put mm -hmm. enough time and effort into it does always feel like we're starting from square one even with the kids you know like and sometimes i side out my parents like Y'all know that I didn't have to, you didn't have to make me grind from, from, you didn't have to do that. I didn't have to start from square one. But it's this whole thing of you need to learn, but at what point do we build off of what we've already done? So Absolutely. step one to that is just us knowing what has already been done. So thank you for writing a book like this so we could all have a lesson that we're not going to learn in school. And mm -hmm. we don't have time to wait for Netflix to do a documentary, which I'm sure they will, but good luck to you on that because i'm sure they will um you know just like they did with rbg or whoever did it you know so this is this is necessary so thank you um so when was the last time you had to reclaim your time Ooh, the last time i had to reclaim my time that is a good question because i do not have a lot of time these <laughs> days i think i mean for me i most recently and this is just a small example most recently i've written i think i i had done some Emmys coverage as part of our team, just like real quick, this person won this, this person won that, blah, blah, blah. And the next morning it was until, cause you know, if you were watching, I think the Emmys went until midnight, maybe midnight, but then we were still writing till about one and I was spent. I mean, d completely done the next morning. And I had gotten a request to do like a, a quick TV hit, like something really quick according to them on their side they're like oh quick tv hit but i'm like i am a full black woman i need to get this together all of this together you know get my while also getting the girls ready for school and all that uh, that stuff and i was just like yeah you know what i mm -mm, i just can't do it like it would have been cool and you know i probably would have enjoyed it had some you know interesting things to say but i was like this is just not right. this is not something i can do i yeah. do not have the fuel in the tank to do this right now and that's i think realizing that that's a part of self-care you know mm -hmm. saying no is a part of self-care so good for you absolutely turn the stuff down but the difference between me and you is i try to justify and i like feel bad and <laughs> i'm trying to make excuses but you're just like mm -mm, no yeah no <laughs> and sometimes you have to say that i mean also most now that it's coming to me as we're talking about it most recently like i have been there's a media figure that i really really want to interview and i try to and not just interview do a larger profile on right because that's 
what part of what I see my mandate as at the post as, and this is just like my personal mission is to make sure we're telling stories that wouldn't not normally get told at a place like the Washington Post. Um, And this is someone I've just been like stalking, right? At one point I had, I know a friend of hers and had him FaceTime her. I'm not going to say who it is, but I've been stalking this woman, right? And um, was going back and forth with her publicist recently because I was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's like get a Zoom together. I I just need an hour, which isn't a lot of time personally, I think. Um, But again, that's me. That's me, my time, right? And I'm like, oh, I just need an hour. Then I'll want to talk to these people and this, blah, 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 blah. And they were like, yeah, it's just, we're going back and forth for like a week. I'm telling my editor like, yes, no, I'm going to get her. It's like, this has been my target for so long. It's going to happen. We're going back and forth for a week. And finally she was like, her publicist says to me like, oh, you know what? She doesn't have the time, right? Because she's reclaiming her time on that end. She's like, she doesn't have the time. There's a lot of stuff swirling around her right now she can't do it would you just do like a quick like q a and i was just like i'm gonna pass like because i didn't want to do that i wasn't interested in that that's not what i wanted to do i feel you that I, well, we get hit with that a lot and we don't even have the washington post title behind us so if y'all are getting hit with that then imagine with us right. so i oh i get my feelings hurt and i get annoyed and then i like you know you start to go okay well should I bend and is this going to be a good get overall? Like it's just mental energy that you have to extend. And then if you do it and it's not something you really want to do, you're pissed at yourself for how how much energy you put into it. It probably won't turn out right. Her people are going to be mad. You're going to be mad. Oh child. It's just a lot. So yeah, sometimes you got to say no. I get it. Yeah. And you're just like, you know what? This wasn't something that was going to work for me. And honestly, not to be like flexing, but you know, I'm 40 years old. I've been in this business 20 years. Like, I, you know, there are certain things that I do want to do a quick Q&A. I recently did a quick Q&A with Jamie Chung, who uh, plays Gia in Lovecraft Country, just because I, I thought her, I don't know if you're watching Lovecraft, but her episode, um, which was based in Korea during the Korea War, the the Korean War was so amazing. I was like, I just want anything because I know she doesn't have a lot of things out there. And I was like, I want to just talk to you about this and let's, you know, talk woman to woman about this. So that was a quick Q&A. Like I do them. It's not like I cannot do Q&As. I'm not above it. But if I know that a Q&A isn't really going to add to the conversation, all the content that's already out there, then like, no, I'm not going to do it. And why would you want it done? So I was just like, yeah, I'm going to pass on this and literally didn't explain anything else in the email. I was like, thank you for circling back. I'm going to pass on this. And that was that. And afterwards I felt like, should I have explained more? Should I? And I was like, no, no, no is a full sentence and we have to be okay with that. Yes. Look at you inspiring us today. All right. (laughs) (laughs) So you also are a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. My soror, yes. I love it. <laughs> I feel like that might be originally how we met. I'm not 100% sure. Or maybe it might have been. That in common. It might have been. It's been forever. <laughs> so you had, you, I mean, you work at the Washington Post. And still, to me, journalism is still, um, it is still very man, male-driven to me. Maybe not necessarily all the beats and stuff like that, like maybe yeah. the fashion beat, maybe not the pop culture beat, even though most pop culture editors I know are men now, think about it. Um, but it seems <laughs> to me like most industries, men do tend to drive 
what what is required, what is asked, and what the standards are. They set mm -hmm. everything it feels like. So clearly you've been in meetings where you probably acted or or made those same faces that Kamala Harris made at the at the VP oh. Like oh. knowing you know more than them or <laughs> they're just sounding stupid or they're trying to mansplain to you or you know, whatever. Um and so you're you're already in a position of power just in your position as well as you just being a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. So I know what you've had to go through since college um, <laughs> and, and also even after college. So how do you, I don't want to say how do you tame your feelings and your faces, but how do you manage the foolishness when you know what you bring to the table? I think, listen, I will say I do not manage my faces. I oh, don't. Okay. I am bad at that. I am honestly bad at that. And one thing that I learned, honestly, writing this book and researching Maxine Waters, and I think what is so amazing about her and something that I try to keep in mind always is that she brings her full Maxine self to everything, right? Yeah. There is no point, and that is why I think she, you know, the reclaiming my time moment went so viral, even though that's a, that's common phraseology on the Hill. People say reclaiming my time all the time. It is, it is part of a rule of conduct. If you, you get your five minutes, if somebody interrupts you, then they have taken some time away from you and you get to reclaim it so you can keep talking and make your point, right? Um, people say it all the time, but I think part of her saying it in that meeting and the way she said it, yeah. she didn't, she does not shrink for people. She does not, you know, zip herself up or act small or, or you know, um, act in a way that makes someone else comfortable. That is not something she ever <laughs> worries about. She just brings her full self. And I think I am very much the same way. And I think part of that is because when I came to journalism, I, I, I came to the business pretty traditionally, like interns. My first internship um, out of Columbia University was at Oprah Magazine. And then I went and got my master's from Northwestern. Then I was at the New York Times. So I came to it um, pretty traditionally. And, but then I stopped completely and was just a freelancer for five years working for myself, essentially. And so that gave me a lot of just like, well, this is me. Like, you know, I'm, this is my business. Like, I am bringing myself. I'm the, you know, not, I don't want to say the product, but I, my brain, my talent, my voice, that's what people want. So why would I change that in any respect now you're professional like i'm always professional we always have to be professional but at the same time i'm just going to bring my full self and yeah, people at the post yeah people at the post know that about me i think easily my first year or two there it was definitely like rocks against rocks sometimes because i had worked for myself for so long i had been a freelancer for so long so even meetings i'm sitting in meetings like this could have been an email like <laughs> Why are we here? Like, you know what I mean? Like that would just drive me nuts. So like office culture, I had to relearn and get used to again. But people know at the post, they're like, oh, Helena, like don't, don't come at her with some craziness. You know what I mean? And one of my very good friends at the post, Krista Thompson, who was an editor in style and is now um, the managing editor of diversity and inclusion at the Washington Post, black woman. She's an AKA, we will forgive her for that. Okay. But you know, People make, I don't want to say mistakes, but. <laughs> Everybody makes their own choices, but I, I love her to death and she's incredible. 
black woman who is, you know, one of the top five editors now at the Washington Post. And Krista had said to me before, she, you know, the one thing that she admired about me, she was like, you know, you, you use your time. You use your time. If there's something that you don't think, and it's not just like, oh, I don't feel like doing it. It's literally something I don't think my voice or my talent will lend anything extra to it. So I'm not going to, you know, waste the time doing it when I could be doing something else that's really going to elevate you know, my writing, the post, all those things. And there's things I just say no to, or things I say, you know what, let's do it this way. Um, or things that I pitch, I think last summer, right before I went on maternity leave, I did a big story about Black maternal morbidity and Black women finding joy. That wouldn't be a story that someone would necessarily do at the Post, but it was my lived experience. I was five months pregnant with my second child at the time, staring down a C-section and thinking to myself, this is so scary to me. I know other people are feeling the same way. How do we get beyond that? And I pitched it, I pitched it as a huge thing. I was like, let's do a series and we can do TV and, and blah, 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 blah. And I'm, you know, I never thought to myself like, oh, they're not gonna go for this or, oh, this isn't the readership of the Washington Post. So I'm not even gonna pitch it. I emailed all the editors and I was like, let's have a meeting and let's discuss this. Cause I think this should be in the Washington Post. And it was, you know, and again, that's just like bringing my full self all the time. Right. What an amazing article, by the way. Um, Thank you. Um, what have you, because people may not know you from Washington Post, but like, I know that you've written like cover stories for magazines too. I, I actually haven't written a cover in a little like no. I feel like I was reading something at some point, like, oh, looky, looky. You may have, I mean, when I was a freelancer, I uh, pitched everything. And there was a time when I was doing a couple things for Essence. Um, it was an essence story. It, perhaps it was an essence story. There's a time when I think I did a couple things for Marie Claire. Yeah. Um, I was like really on before I got to the post. I got to the post in 2013. Okay. It, yeah, because it's been about seven years. Before I got to the post, I was going, I was on the trajectory of just doing magazine stuff. Like one of my, um, one of the person people that I loved in journalism when I first started in the business was Lola Oganaki. Love Lola, um, yes. Who yes. is who's incredible. Also uh, Mitzi Miller, just yeah. writers, black women, writers, voices who I followed and thought like I want to be her and that's what I want. Like yeah. I want to do cover stories, that kind of stuff. And I was on right on the cups of doing that and thinking like maybe I should move to New York because I was still in DC. But an opportunity came up at the post and I thought, and I love, I do love newspapers. Like I, I, I do love it. And to be honest, the, the magazine business is not what it used to be. Um, you can see that happening now, unfortunately, in essence. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think I made the right choice, but yeah, it's most of my stuff over the past seven years has exclusively been at the post. Huh. Interesting. I'm going to find what I saw. I feel okay. like I feel like you've done a magazine article that I have written, that I've read. I may have. Pointed out and I was at Exo Jane for a while. I was an editor and writer at Exo Jane and did a lot of stuff for them. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So do you, going back to the VP debate, how do you feel, okay, generally speaking, how do you feel Kamala Harris did? How do I feel she did at the VP debate? I think she... I think she went in there and did exactly what she was supposed to do, right? Is one, introduce herself, because a lot of people don't know, unfortunately, who Kamala is, right? right? 
the, the you know the outside of the bubble um a lot of are, are outside of california um a lot of people don't know who she is even though she ran a whole presidential campaign um as the only woman of color but um i think she introduced herself and not only introducing her story when she talked about her mother and her work um as ag of california introduced herself and her personality right and made it very clear like I don't take a lot of BS. Right. But I'm a um, <laughs> I am a straight shooter and a straight talker. I know the facts and I don't shrink. I don't shrink. And I think that that in and of itself was revolutionary. It was revolutionary to see from a woman in these types of debates because the last time we saw a woman on stage debating a man was Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump in 2016 and that went much differently, you know? And I think that she had to really toe a line, which I hate that she had to in not being perceived as angry, right? Or shrill, um, all the things that they t say about women, say about women of color specifically. And I think she did that really expertly. I, I it was, I think, um, an incredible performance, especially given that she was constantly being deemed for her time and talked over and CNN did a poll and said that they essentially got equal time, which I personally was surprised by because when I watched it, I was like, why is she getting dinged for time and talked over so often when it seems like Vice President Pence gets to finish a whole sentence and then it's like, you, you, your time. And cut into her time, which she did reclaim at the end. I think that that helped her because yeah. a lot of times at the end, after he cut in for a good minute or two, she's like, but he had my time. He cut in. Or he had, I want his equal time. She yes. kept saying that. So maybe that's why she ended up getting I think so. She did yeah. have to for herself, moderator. Yes, yes. She did have to advocate for herself a lot. And I think that, I mean, personally, it's just, it's what institutional bias and oppression and all those things look like even if you have and i mean and susan page is a professional you know susan page is a respected journalist she's the washington bureau chief of usa today but even with all that and her moderating a woman a woman of color i still feel as if kamala got dinged a little bit more often and that i think is just what we all get conditioned yeah to, to thinking, oh, okay, well, she needs to stop, but let me apologize to Vice President Pence. I'm sorry I have to cut you off. Don't be sorry. Right. You had your time. We all agreed to the rules. You had your time. Stop talking. But you know that yeah. people still, still criticized her because, I mean, they, they wanted to anyway, and I know that these are the people that you're never going to change your mind. They're mm -hmm. never going to, they were never up for grabs to begin with, but it still just shows you, and I wish that people would kind of pay attention to that, because as much as you toe the line, as much as you pull back, as much as you, you could, you could be Mother Teresa when it comes to toeing the line. Mm -hmm. They will still go to the ends of the earth to find a way to knock you down a notch. Yes. And um, Megyn Kelly even, who, you know, she irks my nerves, but heart <laughs> of all people came on, there, or came on Twitter talking about, well, you should just take it like a woman. Like, what are you talking about? And she- well, What does that mean? Well, she was saying because a few other like ABC journalists chimed in like, take it like a woman. What does that right. mean? 
And she's basically saying, well, just because somebody cuts in or just because it's, you need to stop making faces and stop making it a big deal. Take it like a woman. And I want nope. to say something real, like retweet that and like say something real crazy. Like there was, wasn't there a whole entire movie, a whole entire movie about what you were taking? What if we told you the same thing, ma'am? But it's like, no matter what, even with a smile on her face, they were saying that she's making faces and that she's being frivolous. Um, someone else called her a valley girl. And it's just like a valley girl. They both have a law degree, but she's the only one, like she said, that has tried cases on that stage. And exactly. Like, what, do, what are we talking about? So people, total line if you want, but I say take a page out of Maxine Waters' book and be like, that's the line, I don't care. So what could, <laughs> what could Kamala learn from, from this book? I think, I mean, one of the things that I learned about Maxine Waters that I did not know is, which I find um, just hilarious and also just so bold, is that when a meeting is going on, she's done this several times in her career, um, when a meeting is going on that she thinks she should be at, right, <laughs> if there is a table full of men, let's be clear, sitting around discussing an issue that she is a, is the subject matter expert on, oh, she's going to that meeting. She's showing up at that meeting. Not she not don't care if she wasn't invited. She didn't get the email. You know, like what, it, what it used to say, I think it was the first episode, uh, the first series of um, Insecure. Uh, uh, Insecure, where she was like, they have a secret white people meeting, <laughs> emails, right? You know, she doesn't let that stop her. She's not gonna sit and complain about it. Well, I should have been at that meeting. Oh, she'll... Knock, knock. Hi. Hi, it's Maxine. I, uh, you forgot. <laughs> it must have gotten lost. But I'm going to sit down here and say what I need to say because I know what you're talking about. You're not going to sit and talk about, you know, reconstruction efforts in Los Angeles after the riots in my district that was decimated by the riots, but you didn't think to call me? Oh, I'll show up. And I think that too often, um, women in general, and I wouldn't say this about Senator Harris because I'm sure <laughs> she doesn't let this happen either, but anyone, you know people are talking about something that you know more about, but then they didn't invite you or don't wait to be invited. Do not wait to be invited because you know what? Men don't. They don't wait to be invited. They show up and they might not even know what the heck they're talking about. Yeah. But they're like, there's power in that room. I want to be in that room. I want to be close to it. So I'm going to show up and we need to do the same. We need to do the exact same. Um, and that is what Maxine Waters has done several times in her career is to make sure that people know that. And it's, it's not just any old meeting. It's meetings where she's like, I know something about this. Yeah. You should be asking me for my expertise. Right. I'm the one who's on the ground. I know what's going on. I should be at this meeting. And so I think for me, you know, in my own job, my own life, all those things, it's like, if I know something about something and I know I can add to the conversation, mm. I'm gonna raise my hand. Yeah. I might not raise it, I might just start talking because you know what, that's what men do, so. <laughs> well, on the flip side of that, how do you feel about, not how do you feel about, what do you think that people that do kind of say F the line, um, what could they learn from this? And by people, I mean, um, AOC, <laughs> Ayanna Presley. Um, mm -hmm. There's a few members of Congress who just came in guns ablazing, and I, me personally, I'm all for it. I right. 
understand the balance though, and this is why I say that legacy is important and passing down what they have mm-hmm. learned to us so we so we know when to stop sidestep and we know when not to. Um, but Nancy Pelosi, Speaker Pelosi plays a certain type of game, but she's just as ruthless and is just as powerful with her words and, and her strategy as someone who's loud and going off. But people don't like it all the time when people like AOC really just say whatever the hell they want articulate and she's being very clear about what it is and we all agree but it's the way it happens that you're just like oh girl and there was maybe some you know maybe some friction between her and speaker pelosi at first i don't know how maxine waters feels about them um is there something that can be learned from people who do come in guns a blazing um mm-hmm. from maxine waters I, I think she's definitely someone who, who has done that. Uh, I think if you talk to people who are on the opposite side of an issue for her, they will say like, yeah, you don't want to cross Maxine Waters um, because she will torch you and she has. Um, but at the same time, I think her colleagues across the aisle respect her. Mm-hmm. They absolutely respect her because what she brings is a passion to the issues that she finds important, right? And the issues that her constituents find important. I think for someone who's coming into any office, right, whether it's, you know, the marbled halls of Congress or whatever, um, you want to be like the idea of like, let's just burn it all down. Uh, well, then what are we supposed to do with the ashes? You know, like it's, 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 we have to, to work off of something to build on. And some people don't believe that. And that, that, you know, cheers to you, you know, good luck to you. Um, I think, I think actually Speaker Pelosi might've said that in her interview years ago. Um, she was talking about like activists in San Francisco um, at the time that she was working as a public servant. And she was like, yeah, you know, you can like, march and protest and all those things we need that like that's you know we need those people who are so principled and will not bend right she's like but we also need she was like and that's that's a role thank you um get the issues out there that is a thing but we also need the the people and it doesn't this is a this is bipartisan wherever you are on the issue we need the people who are then going to go in that room close the door sit down and do the work of hashing it out right um we're so divided as a country right now. And we, we need those folks who are gonna say, listen, we have to figure this out together, right? We can't just burn you all down. You can't just burn us all down. Like we have to figure this out together. And I think that that is one thing that Congressman Waters has done. It might not always look like it, right? When she's at a conference and she's just like, the FBI director has no credibility, goodbye. And just like throws the whole conference in the trash as Eric would say. Um, but I'm, I am sure that 15 minutes later, she probably picked up the phone and talked to somebody, right? And, and tried to hash something out. Oh, and yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's like, you know, now with social media, you can have this outward persona as a public person that's very brash and issues, issues, issues. And if you don't believe in these issues, then screw you. Um, but that doesn't necessarily work in, in the meeting place, right? That doesn't work at work. Um, so I, I think that, that Congressman Waters, if, if she were giving advice to anybody coming in, it would be, you know, be loud, be angry. You know, she said several times, I have a right to my anger. It's earned. Um, But, you know, you have to do something productive with it. 
So outside of the political atmosphere, we have people like Cardi B and Meg Thee Stallion, and even City Girls, who say, I know, right? Who say <laughs> whatever the hell they want, but again, we can understand everything they're saying. And when I say the word, I want to preface this. When I say someone's articulate, please do not take that as me being a, being a privileged person or acting like a white man talking about oh, how articulate you are. Like, yeah, you speak so well. Yeah, like, no. <laughs> I'm saying to, like, actually to prove the point that yeah. people just intentionally don't want to understand what they're saying and don't mm -hmm. want to hear it and just acting like well this is just crazy they're just screaming and they're just using all this bad language and they just saying whatever like they are articulating their points very well whether mm -hmm. or not you believe it or whether or not you agree is a whole nother situation but do not just minimize or mark off women who say something that you don't like and just be like oh well they're just not making sense and mm -hmm. i'm asking this because i want to know what you think that someone like uh maxine waters would tell cardi and meg about this whole just navigating the world out here mm -hmm. but also you know, Maxine's known to, she loves her some rap music, okay? Like, she oh, yes. talk, like, she Absolutely. Oh, she's a California girl, so. Absolutely. And so, Eric, um, Eric researched that. He researched that and wrote that chapter in the book talking about her her love of hip-hop and her embrace of hip-hop and hip-hop culture. Yeah, because she gets it. Because she gets it. I mean, this is someone who lived in Watts, you yeah. know, during the riots. Like, she understands anger she understands that this the the loudness quote unquote comes from a, a true place right so i think i mean i have no idea if she listens to cardi or megan right <laughs> but she might because she always talks about young people she's like in the oh young God. people putting me on to all this other stuff um i think what she would say to them really is keep doing what you're doing because people cannot minimize they might try to minimize you they might try to minimize you as a person, but they can't minimize the message. Like you say, if you're, you are articulating it, and it's not about speaking so well, it's about communicating. If you are communicating what you think properly and you're meeting people where you are and they are, right? And if you're doing it in a way that's effective, then you're succeeding. And if anything, those who are saying to you, oh, stop doing this, you can't do it like that, you have to do it like this, they're doing it because they see that you're winning mm -hmm. and they want to tamp you down and they want to suppress you and they want to suppress the message that you are clearly succeeding in getting across. Um, so I think, you know, when it comes to them and, you know, their political messages, I've, I am, as a culture reporter, so ex excited by um, this new wave of artistic energy and entertainers who are not afraid to be political, who are not afraid to say that, to, to be like, I am a whole human. Like, I am not just an entertainer. I'm not just a performer. I am out here in these streets, <laughs> like living the life that um, you want to snuff out. Like, I, I, I have to deal with it, right? In their own careers, like people act like, we see the stories all the time, like TLC and, and, um, and oh gosh, BBD and, you know, New Edition, all these people that went through hell during their careers and people are like, why didn't you speak up more? Okay. So whenever women in particular, and Cardi's actually been pretty vocal about this. She's been suing her man, her ex-manager for like five years, like trying yeah. to get what she feels she's just due. And yeah. people get upset when you do that. So I do feel like it's, 
like it's not just about oh you're a one percenter and you're over here on stages and you live in this high life they have to manage that life you mm -hmm. know and as soon as they don't as soon as they're quiet about that and not speaking out about the things that are hurting them or hurting their business y'all blame them for being messed over but when exactly. they are speaking out oh you need to be quiet because you just are on stages and you're rich it's crazy. So I get it. I get, I get the crazy <laughs> that they go through, but I love that. I just feel like Maxine Waters would like go to brunch with them and they would cut all the way up. Like I can just see it. They absolutely would. I, I, I am positive that they would. And someone needs to make that happen. Literally Maxine <laughs> sitting down with Cardi, sitting down with Megan. You moderating the brunch. <laughs> yes. Yes. No, Let's seriously. She has, she has so much like wisdom and as you said at the beginning of this like just institutional knowledge to share someone who yeah. has been you know she's been in every stage of government she was uh in the city council she was a chief of staff of a city councilman she was a state um uh legislator and then congress and now she's a chairwoman of one of the most powerful committees in yeah. congress i mean she has done it all and seen it all uh i don't think there's any i i literally don't think there is anything she has not seen or anything that would phase her um and yeah she has so much knowledge to share and i i hope that with this book and people reading it and learning her story and retuning into her um that just gives her her more of that and more and more of this like two-way conversation with um not just her constituents obviously because she represents constituents in california but just her fans because yeah, <laughs> she has fans and we're all affected anything that i think people don't get that but everything that a senator does no matter what state they live in anything that a representative does no matter what district they represent it still is going to affect you at the end of the day because mm -hmm. if they vote for a bill that's going to affect your district and they vote for a bill like it's and the only way it gets passed in order to affect you is if they voted for it in their district so everything all politics are local remember that yes i know that was a little off subject but it needed to be said <laughs> <laughs> all right so i want to talk about relationships real quick and i i know that you can chime in about what what you you're the married one over here what you <laughs> i'm a single in here <laughs> <laughs> so I want to find out, and you can probably chime in just with your own experience with this, but um, I had a good question submitted uh, to me. So in the book, uh, um, basically Maxine Waters' husband, Mr. Sid Williams, um, he, he's been vocally supportive of his wife. Like this is a very powerful woman. I don't know how she acts at home, but I'm just telling you what I see, you know, like she's not dominant, but she's, she's, she's a type A person and she's, she's, she runs her ish, you know, not every man can handle that. And there's this um, quote in the book that says that he says that Mr. Sid Williams says, I'm an ex football player. So the accolades she's receiving right now, I've gone through. So it's no big deal. It's her time to be a shining light. I admire her for that. She's worked very hard to be in the position that she's in right now. I enjoy every minute of it that she's happy. I, I don't remember the last time I heard a man say this. Like, yes, I've been through some things with men and you know, a lot of times it may start off like that and they've been married, what, since the 70s? It may start off like that, but it doesn't always end like that. Resentment can build or people just get tired of it or you're not doing your job as a mom and doing your job as a wife. It all, usually it doesn't end like that, all that support and admiration. 
what do you think, like, have you seen that often? Or like, how do you think that this, I know it's genuine, but like, how does it help her? And, and how does it help other people if they have relationships like that? I think it's, there is a phrase, right, behind every, you know, powerful man or every good man is a good woman, right? But literally behind most powerful women is a man who is completely enamored with and supportive of that power, right? Mm -hmm. And wants her to have that. We saw the exact same thing with Justice Ginsburg and her husband, Marty yes. Ginsburg, right? And this, and, and again, when it comes to Congresswoman Waters and her husband, you know, they're from a different time. Yeah. Like, like these are people who got me, who, you know, were born in the thirties, like from a completely different time to where a woman wasn't supposed to get that, right? Justice Ginsburg wasn't supposed to ever be a lawyer. Like what, what did she do? To, to right. Yeah. And her husband was like, no, 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 you, if anything, I, I feel like he would always say she was the smart one, right? Yeah. Like you go out there and, and get it and I'm here to support you and not diminish you, right? And to let you shine. Um, I'm going to talk about Lovecraft Country again, because obviously I'm a culture critic, but there was <laughs> that great episode um, with Hippolyta and she's talking to her husband. Um, and I want to give a bunch away for those who might not have seen this episode, but She's talking to her husband and she says to him, you know, you let me, you let me dampen myself. Mm. You know, you married me, you saw me, you knew that I was a discoverer, a curious person. Mm -hmm. But you also like the fact that I was home taking care of our kids so that you could go off and have an adventure. And like the fact that I was here, you allowed me to to, you know, dampen my light. And, you know, in the episode, he was like, You're right. I did. Like, what you want to do, girl? And, and basically, and it goes off and they have all these adventures, but it, 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 it does take someone, a partner, uh, whether in a heteronormative relationship or not, it takes a partner to say to you, don't dampen your life. Because it is very easy for women to do that, right? Because it's, we still bear the brunt of so much of the, of the stuff, right? If you want kids, you, you will most likely have to do a lot of that kind of stuff. You know, it's just like, so much of it comes down on us and we're seeing that in covid like there's there are women who are who quit their jobs because they're like I, I can't do all this at once with no childcare. right we're in a society that just doesn't support women in that way so you need a partner who's like no 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 no, no. i'm not going to let you do that right. i'm going to support you and i think when it comes to sydney and again it, and it's very similar to um the ginsburgs is that he he had done his thing you know what i mean he was equally as bright he had done his thing he'd been in the nfl he'd won accolades he was he was a successful businessman he was a luxury um he worked at a luxury car car, uh, car dealership and then went on to do other business stuff after that so he was already experiencing his own successes so her success didn't diminish his in a way and that's what it is i think it's you find you find you a partner who doesn't think that your success somehow dings them. If anything, they think, oh, no, 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 she's successful. I'm, I'm going to, I'll go out and, and get, get some of my own and then support her. And, and it's this, you know, hopefully this, this thing that's feeding upon each other and that you're both doing very well. Obviously, like, 
it's hard. It is hard to be like. How do you find those red flags? Like, have you ever been in a relationship? Clearly not the one you're in now, but before <laughs> your marriage, like, did you ever experience a non-supportive um, partner? I think I, I mean, I was much younger, uh, but I think that I probably experienced people like, like I met my husband right after, not too long after my first book came out. Um, and before that, it was at a time in DC, like there had been an article written about me. So I was kind of like, sort of some people like knew who I was before I knew them basically. And there was kind of like this idea that, oh, she thinks this and this about herself. Or so men that I would date would not want to challenge that, but it was like, it was challenging, you know, it was like a challenge to date me. And then, and then it would be like, you know, could, could they get me to be submissive, right? I think that, I, What is I, that? What is that? They do yeah. that. Yes. And it's just like, no. And <laughs> nope, that's not going to work. Um, and, you know, my husband is someone who is very much like, no, we, out, we, we eat together. You know, like, we're out here getting it together. You, you have dreams and goals, and I will not let you not do those things. And I have dreams and goals, and you have to keep me accountable and make sure I do those things as well. But I think when I met people who it just, it seemed to me like just little things, just little silly things like, oh, we're not going to go out to dinner because I don't take girls out to dinner until we dated for four weeks the rules right right and it's just like mm, no because it's just these tiny things that you can tell are just about control yes if they're not so overt about them tiny tiny things that it's like they're trying to control you in this way or someone who is so i'm ready to someone who is so like concerned about my past sexual history and i was just like but what does that have to do you know like and what about yours like why does exactly, that what does that have to do with what we're doing now like we're in a relationship and like literally wanted like a breakdown of in this person and this person yes and i remember immediately i was like mm, that's, <laughs> that's not gonna work and again it's just about control and you can tell when someone anyone is trying to control you in tiny ways because they are insecure essentially right. and so you just have to move on like there were times where i thought to myself like i am i just too much <laughs> you know am i just am i doing too much and i doing too much in a relationship like am i like too out there and just realize over time like no it's not me it's not me because who is for you as you know my friend demetria lucas very well <laughs> what is she demetria always says find you a pot uh, a lid to fit your pot right because who is for you is for you and they are out there and you should never have to diminish yourself for anybody else yeah. I mean, I want to say easier said than done, but it's, I mean, it, it is easy to do. I'm good at cutting people off, but I think it's that <laughs> whole fear of, okay, but I have to be okay with being alone because it just feels like the pot is so small. So mm -hmm. you start making concessions here and there, you mm -hmm. know, because people tell society, society tells women, you're too picky. Yeah. And version of too picky is I won't allow a man to abuse me. Like it's, it, right. You know? Exactly. So I don't know. No, they're out there. That's the thing. The person is out there. I promise you, they are. And the thing is, I mean, it, it just depends on what you're looking for. Like, there was a time where I was like, okay, I'm not finding the one right now. I'm just having a good time. I'm just enjoying my life. <laughs> and that was fine, too. You know what I mean? And that was fine, too, when you learn stuff about yourself. Yeah, I think it's, it's okay to say, you know, we all make compromises in relationships because everybody does. You have to, right? Um, but 
none of those compromises ever made me feel as if I wasn't bringing my full authentic self. I will, I will say this, I had to say this. I met, the first time I met Michelle Obama in person was at Deborah Lee's house. This guy, I'm gonna drop a bunch of names. Yes. I, was at Deborah, I, want all the <laughs> I actually got in trouble for this story that I wrote about it. But anyway, I was at Deborah Lee's house uh, when she was still in DC and, oops, sorry. My doorbell just went off. Deborah Lee's house when she was still in DC and Michelle Obama was there. Um, and, and, you know, she was being very gracious. It was like a small thing. She was welcoming Deisha Dyer when Deisha Dyer was becoming a social secretary, uh -huh. um, her last social secretary when they were still in the White House. And I asked her, I was just about to get married. And I said, you know, what is the advice that you would give to someone who is about to get married, about to embark on this like crazy adventure? Like, and she told me a couple things, but one of the big two biggest things she one she told me don't trip off the wedding she was like somebody gonna come with the wrong shoes on someone's gonna wear the wrong thing don't trip it's one day like don't trip and she said trip which i thought was so funny she was like don't trip off the wedding and she told me and she was like marriage is hard for everybody she's like don't think it's just you she was like when people come to me and they're like oh you know we had a couple bad months and she was like months it could be years. Like marriage is tough. It's not just you. It is a tough thing. And the last thing she said to me, she was like, always be your authentic self. Yeah. And I, I'm remembering exactly her word. She was like, the what sustained Barack and I for so many years is that we are both our authentic selves in this relationship. I'm not trying to pretend to be somebody else. He's not trying to pretend to be somebody else. We are who we are and we love those people. Yeah. Um, and I have, I mean, this was six, seven years ago. She told me this and I have remembered it to this day. And I try to always keep that in mind. Yeah. Eventually it's going to, your true self is going to show itself. Um, and whether you realize it or not, people will peep game and you then things could be over, you know? Yeah. So why even waste the time? Um, yeah, but again, it's, it's, I know for a lot of women who are single and looking for a partner, it's still that fear of what's the balance of what I'll put up with and what I want in order to not be single for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. um, and it just feels like some of you are so lucky to find these men who are so supportive, but, but you know, and it, like, like she said, marriage is hard for everybody. I say all the time, it's like, you, show, you see us showing up at this event when we were going to events, right, in the before times. You see us showing to this event looking cute. You don't know what happened on the car ride over here. Like, it's still hard. It's still very hard. But you, the person is out there, I promise you. Yeah. Love it. So your first book, and we're going to wrap up, but your first book, uh, Bitches the New Black, which you mentioned earlier, um, it's your own memoir about how you were raised, how you were brought up, things that you've learned over the years, and very personal. Um, is there anything that you regret sharing? No. Mm -mm. Because you're your true authentic self. Well, yeah, that, I mean, it's funny um, now because it's been so long, right? It's been like 10 years. It's so funny. People I meet now who don't know anything about my first book and then they will buy it <laughs> and read it, which I always think is funny. So I don't like run around telling them, oh, go buy this book. Um, and we had like old neighbors uh, who are now good friends of ours who like went on vacation and like everybody bought it. It was like, she bought it, her husband bought it, her mama read it, her sister read it. And she's like, oh, we're all reading your book. I was like, okay, you know a lot about me now. Yeah. Um, like a lot. <laughs> I think that, I mean, when I was writing it, 
I, I thought that if I just came, again, talk about authenticity, if I can say the word authenticity, talking about coming from that place and also telling stories that I know just didn't, weren't out there and weren't being told, right? Like telling the story of like, I have a single mother who's a lesbian and we were homeless at times. And, you know, telling the story about the fact that I had an abortion when I was in college as a sophomore. Um, talking about, you know, my first terrible work experience where I was the only black woman in that situation. Like all of these things could, you know, quote unquote, come back to bite you at some point. But I think that all of that made me who I was. And it was so important to me that someone be able to pick up the book and it, in any of the stories, I think there's 16 chapters, I can't remember now, 16 chapters in any of those see themselves. That was more important to me. And, you know, the people who know me know me well, you know, and it, like my husband will always say like, you got a lot of like acquaintances. He was like, but you only have a couple friends. And I, I really do. So it's like my good friends, well, nothing new to them. There were no surprises to the people in my life. And um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't regret. Nothing has like come back to bite me. Um, but I will say I teach journalism and I tell my students, my journalism students all the time, like stop writing about your life on the internet. You know, keep your stuff off, off of Twitter and Facebook and the blogs, because if you want a job someday, like, do as I say, not as I do. Um, <laughs> I was like, I was in a different place in my career, wanted different things at the time. But um, no, I've, I, I'm really proud of that book. And even today, if I open it up and flip to a page and I read it, I'm like, hmm, that is what I was thinking back then. Okay. Right. And, and yeah, it's, it's, it's something that I am proud and for my daughters to read someday. I was going to say, like, are you, even with the current book, like, it's, do you feel like, I mean, clearly your first book is not for them at this age, but no. even the current book, do you keep in mind, like, your daughters and kids and things like that when you're writing certain things, even for the Washington Post? Like, are these things for them? Absolutely. I think that I'm always imagining myself as the reader and myself at, you know, 12, 14, 16, 20s, you know, just who I was and the types of stories that I was drawn to and, and didn't see enough of. Yeah. And so I always want to write those stories and I always want to make sure that those people get to have a voice in a place that some people don't think they should be allowed. Um, and, you know, thankfully at the Washington Post, I've been able to do just so, so much of what I wanted to do. Like it's, it's very rare. Anybody there has said, no, don't write about this. And um, I think I've been able to tell a lot of like really cool, interesting stories. And with this Maxine book, it's definitely something that, you know, a, advanced you know middle school reader can get into and a, a full grown adult you know to learn that there is a woman out there that looks like you a straight up black woman who is very proud of the fact and brings her full self everywhere she goes is out there and she has is there's no signs of stopping i talked to one of her staffers for the book and um, I was like, you know, what is it about her working for her? Like, that's very specific to who she is. Now, like, she's an energizer bunny. She is go, go, go. She's up at five, sending emails. Like, they're like, there are 20 year olds who cannot keep up with this woman on the hill. Yeah. 
Love it. So is there anything that you want to leave our listeners and watchers and readers and everybody, anything you want to leave us with? Uh, I would say one, buy the book. Uh, on sale October 20th where all fine books are sold um and that it makes you know it makes a great a, a great read at a time that is not so great right <laughs> where we need a little hope and um need to you know sort of refuel our trust in government um, and in our public servants and our politicians. And I think reading about a public servant like Maxine Waters, who's just been on the grind from day one, um, will hopefully, hopefully um, give you some energy, give you some peace of mind. And, you know, you know. two weeks later, when you have to cast your ballot, November 3rd, um, you know, do it, do it with clear eyes. Uh, and I think that this book will, will help a lot of people just, um, just to recenter themselves because it's been chaotic, uh, the past year. Um, and I think that, um, uh, Maxine has been a constant and she is a, a centering force. I was going to say that. I just like the fact that she's never wavers from her original, thoughts that's how you know they're genuine um she's not playing politics i don't care how you want to label it she's just not she's saying what she really feels and sticking to it so that's something that i can appreciate during this time where it feels like everybody is just flip-flopping all day every day nothing's real but her she's like i'm still mad i'm still annoyed and i'm still not here for his crazy ass so Absolutely. i i love that and i respect that um and i also want to let people know like the book's tone is very conversational so don't feel like it's a you know, like a, 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 a formal biography of sorts, you know. Yeah, not a political book. Yeah. <laughs> not a political book. It's very conversational. Like, Eric is hilarious. We wanted to, it's very approachable. And it's just like reading the story, the highlights of this woman's life. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's also a good Christmas present. I mean, it's, it's about that time. There you go. Yes. Yeah. Oh, by the way, um, you were saying how she, Maxine Waters, like loves young people and really respects that. So she is one of the first, her and Elijah Cummings, actually, the late Elijah Cummings, were the first Congress people to invite me to speak on Capitol Hill. And wow. this was at the time where it was, I think I had just started the site like two years prior, maybe three years prior. And so for Maxine Waters, it was her Young, Gifted, and Black panel that she did every year during CBC. Mm -hmm. um, and Elijah Cummings, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something similar. Um, and at that time, for somebody who was, how old was I, like 27, 28? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, for somebody, or maybe 25, hell, like for somebody <laughs> that young and in a brand new landscape of journalism, um, I was getting no respect from anybody, which I get. I'm not a journalist. I was, hell, I was in college and going to law school. Like, I wasn't a journalist. But it was so much disrespect given and so much like, I'm going to write her off. She has nothing to say. And this is why I kind of steered away from politics, even though that was my passion, because I was told I don't have a right to talk about it since I'm talking about frivolous things. Go back to talking about Beyonce. Go back to, you don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, I have a degree in poli I don't understand. And that's how it felt but those two people were the only people who were like come speak on this panel and I'm like what 
So I appreciate that. She always sees you. Um, I, I mean, yeah, the, the site was known, but damn, I didn't think it was that known for her to come and ask. So keep that in mind. People are always watching what you're doing and people like her always try to keep their ear to the ground and that matters if you want them representing you. Absolutely. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for writing this book. Thank you for doing this chit chat. Of um, course. And thanks for just being an all around fam chick. <laughs> thank you for having me. This was so fun. This was awesome. And um, I just want to say the work that you do, I have loved it from the start. Hey. Uh, <laughs> no, you were out here covering people, covering celebrities, covering A listers um, who weren't considered A list to other people, right? Mm -hmm. And we're in a whole new landscape now where you were light years ahead of the game. You were like, now black people are driving the conversation. Our culture is driving everything else, but absolutely. You know, all right. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, Reclaiming her time. The power of Maxine Waters is available now. Went on sale October 20th. Get it everywhere. Y'all on Amazon all day. Go ahead and just. Yes. Yeah. Hit that part. Do what you got to do. Christmas time is coming up. Get it in your life. Thank you to Helena Andrews Dyer for all of your fab work at the Washington Post as well as with this book. And yeah, thank y'all for watching. Thank you for listening. Visit theybf.com for all breaking news on celebrity gossip, entertainment news, politics, the election, y'all. I just, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, <laughs> But please vote and vote now, not not on election day. If you if you don't, if you can vote early, get in your life, y'all. Thank you, Helena. Thank you, Natasha. Thanks. Bye, y'all.